Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. We're back again, and we are happy to be on the road part of the week this week and off the road part of the week as well. Some of you who are turning in for the first time may wonder why on earth do they call this show Ayers on the Road? And the reason we're not too happy about this, but sometimes we're happy about it, is that we're almost always traveling. That's pretty much what we do these days to try to get around and give presentations on the family and on communication and on marriage and so on. And even when we're not traveling with that, doesn't it kind of seem like we're always going to see one of our kids because they're all living all over the place and they have a lot of grandkids and grandkids are what attracts us to travel even when we don't have to. That's absolutely right. Although this week our grandkids came to us, which is so fun. I mean, we obviously we had them. I think if you've been listening over the summer, we've had them a lot. In fact, I just checked the dates from the 25th of June to the 3rd of August. We had between 30 and 50 kids. I mean, not always kids, but people at our house. And so it was kind of nice to clear it out. But then we were pretty um, on our own for a while. And now last weekend, our oldest daughter has been married for 15 years and for an anniversary present. We took Shocking, Linda. That's shocking. I can't believe we have a daughter that's been married for 15 years. I can't either. That is really scary, except for that we have another daughter who's been married for 17 or 18, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> we're getting up there with kids and grandkids. But um, today we are excited to talk about something that is dear to our hearts, especially because we just have had these cute grandkids with us for a couple of days. And, um, you know, the best thing about children, I think, is imagination, don't you think, Richard? Well, it's, sure, it's certainly one of the most wonderful things about kids is that they're their reality stretches far beyond what ours does, and we, we sometimes call that imagination. But one reason we're thinking a lot about that today, that subject of imagination, is because, or is that, Thank you. we've been working on a memoir of our family life. And it's going to be interesting if we can ever get it done. It's going to take a lot of coordination because we want it written by our whole family. And, you know, we've got a lot of tentative titles for it, but basically it's a memoir about a type of family that doesn't exist as much as it used to in this world, although there's still plenty of this kind of families around here in Utah. But a big family that is very proactive and does a whole lot of things together. And so each week we try to go back into our memory bank and to write about one thing that we remember and that the kids remember and we invite them and believe me when I say kids I'm talking about our grown children who live all over the world now but we're asking them to send in their memories of a certain subject and at some point we're going to put it all together into this memoir of a book but in the meantime every week we have a certain subject that we work on and this last week it was imagination and I wrote the intro to it. Linda writes the intro sometimes, and I write it sometimes. And I wrote it this week, and it was, you know, I, I, I don't know if, how closely you've even read it, Linda, but I, I just tried to be honest and say, you know, my imagination with kids 
sort of comes a little bit out of necessity. And, and I remember specifically one night many, many years ago when I was putting the kids all to bed. And, and you know, bedtime in any family is kind of an interesting time. It's sometimes a little bit of a struggle to get kids to want to go to bed on time. And when there's nine of them running around and you're trying to get them all in bed, it, it can be an exhausting proposition. And, you know, I had told them bedtime stories. I'd say, hey, let's have a bedtime story. But even that, that was, you know, that wasn't quite enough to get them to really actually want to stop whatever they were doing and get in bed and, you know, have their prayers and get ready for a story. And so I remember this one night when I just was sort of tired and at my wits end. And the last thing I was looking forward was putting them all to bed. And I think we used to take turns, didn't we, Linda? This was my turn for whatever reason. So yeah, I was putting them down to bed. You are especially good at this, so I have to say. Go ahead. Well, but I, you know, I was just tired and trying to think what to do. And I was in the kitchen yelling, hey, let's time, bedtime, bedtime. And not a whole lot was happening. And I, I out of desperation, grabbed a, a, a paper bag, like a paper uh, shopping bag, and had some eye holes in it and put it over my head and said, hey, uh, before I put it over my head, I said, hey, a new guy is coming to tell you the story tonight, a different person. He's he's kind of weird looking. His name is Monster Man. And that got the kids' attention. And they're like, well, when's he coming? Well, he should be here any minute, but he's not going to come downstairs unless everybody's in bed. So it worked for a minute. They all got in bed, and I put the bag on my head and changed my voice slightly, not very much. You don't have to. That's the beautiful thing about kids with an imagination. A little, a little disguise goes a long way. And I went down and I told the bedtime story that night as Monster Man, who was a, a guy who had an interesting background, and the story was really about him. And the kids really paid attention. And the next night, when it was my turn, I said, "Hey, do you want Monster Man to come back again?" And I faked a phone call to him, and he came back again and told the story. And that seemed to add one added level of imagination. So you're not just telling an imaginative story, you're play acting it. You're, you're, you've sort of given it three dimensions. And um, that worked out pretty well for quite a while. And then when the interest waned a little in, in Monster Man, um, another guy came along and, and his name was uh, Sarah Poo. And he, he had long, droopy ears, which were essentially socks hanging from my ears. And he had an interesting <laughs> story to tell, and the kids were pretty enamored with him. And he, he knew Mount Monster Man. They all kind of knew each other. Anyway, long story short, that kept evolving. And we ended up, I think, with about a dozen characters. They came to be known as the characters. And after we really got into it, the kids could even pick which one they wanted to have come. Did they want Serapu or Monster Man or Caxton? Or And they, the kids made up some new ones. Uh, our youngest daughter made up a guy named Greenface, Greenface, Make-A-Wish. And <laughs> he was a guy that just had kind of a green fuzzy thing over his head. And 
I know this sounds crazy, and I know I'm kind of laying myself open for people that already think I'm crazy now to have that confirmed, but I'll tell you, here's the bottom line. Imagination, if you can generate a little of it as a grown-up, will be picked up by your kids in spades, and they will make far more progress on imagination than you ever could, and it gets pretty fun when you do that, and it distracts them, and it gets them so they want to go to bed on time. But here's the other thing, and then I want to throw it to you, Linda, is that when when kids are encouraged to use their imagination, I think it develops in them a sort of a creative talent, which in today's world is extremely useful. I mean, you think about the kind of jobs that are our young, the young kids of today are going to have in 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. And I'm not so sure that the ability to imagine and create and sort of think outside the box, I'm not sure that those talents are not the most important talents that we can give a child. You know, they, it really is. I, I honestly believe that the reason our kids have such good imaginations is because of their dad telling them bedtime stories and those crazy characters that used to come to our house. We have a son now who started a master's program, however, in positive psychology, and he just sent a note saying that he believes that imagination is a gene that comes with you and that some have better genes than others, I guess. I don't know exactly how that works. But we did just get a little note from our um, our daughter-in-law this week who said that she told her little five-year-old daughter to go to do her homework. And she said she looked out the back window, and there she was with her homework in her mouth and a um, little stuffed toy stuffed kitten in her hand and she had a rope climbing a tree in a princess dress and um <laughs> she said i mean this is just Who so knows typical. What she was imagining. this is so typical of this child i mean uh, her name's lila and she, her favorite friend is a blind um she has named uh, i mean one of they have the um vertical blinds venetian at their house, blind, and one of the venetian them blind they, they broke, uh, the Venetian blinds broke, and, and uh, Lila picked up one of those long slats of plastic, and that became her imaginary friend. <laughs> and, you know, it, it has a name, and she carries it around with her all the time. And, I mean, the imagination of these kids is amazing. And I do think that maybe some come equipped with better genes than others for that, because her brother is just the same way. He is incredible. We had um, last year at our family reunion, we had a bird watching activity, and we all got in cars and went out to take pictures of birds because we live by a bird bird refuge. And this kid spent all day long making um, binoculars, what he thought was binoculars, out of a ring from an old ring from a jar and an old thing from... um, uh, something else anyway to do. And then the last thing he had to have was a feather. And he thought if it had a feather, he'd be camouflaged when they went out to look for the birds and the birds would never see him. And honestly, <laughs> it is so interesting to see how imagination just spills over into their worlds. But I do think some have more than others. Well, you know, I think some some people tuning in may say, well, you know, wait a minute here. We're talking about imagination as opposed to reality. 
And maybe what kids need is a little dose of reality. In other words, maybe if you let them live in a fantasy world too much, they will lose touch with reality. I just think that's not a, not not even close to being true. I think kids have the gift of imagination, and if it is fostered, if it is encouraged, then parents are in a position to talk about what is imaginary and what is real and to point out to kids that they're both good things. They're not one is not bad and one is not good. I mean, obviously, if a child's using his imagination to make up stories about things that didn't really happen to, to be an excuse for bad behavior or something, then that's a problem. But if it's imagination in the creative, fun sense, then that's a, a really, really beautiful thing. And it even, it even gets in, I'll just say this one thing provocatively, and then we'll go to a little break, and we'll pick it up when we come back. But... Uh, it even gives parents a way to – the more active a kid's imagination is and the more it's encouraged by the parents, the easier it is to separate that imagination from reality. For example, we know parents who, when their kids are getting to be old enough to start wondering about Santa Claus or about the tooth fairy, but particularly Santa Claus, Instead of this dilemma, parents often get into where they're like, oh, man, do I tell the truth or do I keep up this this charade about Santa? And and we know parents who, who could sit down with their kids and say, now, look, Santa Claus is real imaginary. That's a wonderful thing. That's a real thing, but it's imaginary, real imaginary, though, and that's different than real, real. Jesus is real, real, or whatever, whatever the dilemma is that you're facing. And so let's let you think about that for just a minute, and we'll go to a brief break, and we'll be right back with Ayers on the Road. Okay, and we're back uh, talking about imagination today. Now, that's a topic that doesn't come up very often, but we love talking about imagination because it's such an important part of our lives. I mean, when you think about the people who have jobs that they love, it usually involves imagination and creativity and things that they can do that really makes them feel like they're making a difference. I think we don't spend enough time thinking about imagination. What do you think, Richard? I agree. In fact, uh, and, and those of the listeners who know us well know this is not a, exactly a new topic for us. In fact, Many, uh, many listeners know about Joy Schools, the preschool curriculum we've had the privilege to work on over many, many years. The idea being that kids uh, really, when they're young, when they're preschoolers, it's not as important to push them academically and give them an academic head start as it is to help them develop what we call joys, social, mental, emotional joys, the joy of goal setting, the joy of having a good uh, attitude about their bodies and so on. And one of the units in the Joy School curriculum, and, you know, it's really interesting to think about this, Linda, in the context of what we're talking about today. One of the, one of the joys, one of the units is called the joy of imagination and creativity. And those were put together very purposefully. In other words, they're really the same thing. A creative person always has an imagination because that's what creativity really is. 
And so when you're when you're playing little imaginative games with your kids or you're making up a story, you know, and by the way, we run into a lot of parents who say, well, I, I can't make up a story. I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know what to say. I'd, I'd run out of things to say. I need a book to read. I have to read books to kids because I can't make them up. Well, you know, there's some wonderful books to read to kids, and they're very imaginative, and of course you should do that. But don't ever sell yourself short as a parent or a grandparent in terms of making up an imaginative story. In fact, if you get here, here's a here's a uh, a way to fall back if you really think your own imagination is a little lacking. Let the child or the children pick up on the story. You you can tell an entire story with a couple of kids just by saying, "Once upon a time there was a." And let the child say what it was. And he went to, and let the child say where he went to. And when he got there, he said, and you'll be amazed at where that story goes. And before long, your own little uh, imagination that may have atrophied a little over the years will pick up and and enliven itself just by the creativity of the answers that you're getting from some of these marvelous children. In fact, I have to say that this is one of the joys that we always say the kids teach us because they certainly have, they come intact with imagination and creativity. And we've often said, you know, school, sending them to school really takes a lot of that out of them, which is a sad commentary, but true, unless you have a particularly creative teacher or you're going to a private school that um, really emphasizes creativity. But it really is true that kids come with this package of creativity that is just remarkable. Um, We see it in all of our grandchildren, not just those two that we mentioned, but in different ways. Um, We have a grandson who's addicted to the Internet, and he can tell you anything, how to get anything, anywhere, anytime. But he also can do, this summer he did some little, um, it was like trailers, for movies, but it was a trailer for our family reunion. And what he came up with was unbelievable. I mean, it looked just like a movie trailer. It looked like a movie that I'd like to see, actually. And, you know, that when they use those juices and use what's available to them now, the creativity is just endless. You know, what you say, too, and I think a lot of people automatically say, well, if they're in front of a screen, if they're on a computer, if they're on an iPad, there goes their creativity out the window because all they're doing is, uh, you know, benefiting from someone else's creativity. They're playing some game that someone else created or they're doing some story that someone else got out of their imagination. But that's not true. As you point out, there are a lot of uh, computer activities that are very creative and kids you know, can be encouraged to make up their own game or make their own movie or make their own uh, slideshow or their own PowerPoint or whatever. There's a lot of things they can do on there that are that are very creative. And I'm kind of oriented to storytelling as a creative outlet, but that's just one of hundreds of different kinds of creativity that uh, that can exist. And you know, you can you can put imagination into almost anything. I mean, I see some families using a lot of imagination on holidays. Uh, uh, we were we were in a class the other day that was fascinating because we were 
we were asking a group of parents how they thought they could make genealogy or ancestors more real to children, to their children. Because, you know, the typical kid or typical adults, for that matter, we think of genealogy, well, it's dates and it's arcane old books, dusty books, and you're going to try to find out when someone was born or where his gravestone is. But one of the people in the class, I know you particularly like this, Linda, said, well, what we do is we we make up little plays about our ancestors. We have a journal entry or a story we know about a grandfather or a great-grandmother or something, and we, we dress up like the kids. I mean, the kids dress up and we dress up and we act out this story of uh, of Grandma Isabel uh, coming from England on a ship to America or going across the plains or or just cooking dinner or whatever. And, or losing and four children said, to the measles, which they, and they had to leave them in the, in the ocean. I mean, there's so many things. I thought what you were going to say was the greatest idea during that class, and that was one of the grandmothers had invited all of the grandchildren to a dinner party, but each one of them came representing an ancestor, which meant they had to look it up, what they would have worn, they, what they would have said. They had to go through all of everything they could possibly find about that person's life. And then suddenly they own that ancestor. They know who they are because they have to talk about it. Um, there's so many creative things you can do. And in fact, before we get to the end of our time today, I just have to say the most creative thing that we've seen this week is our wonderful, darling, little, my sister's granddaughter, actually. This is a sad story with such a happy thing that's happening with it. She just had a relapse on leukemia. She went through treatments for two years and was free for nine months and now relapsed. So instead of just, oh, woe is me and so on, this little girl is so amazing and creative. She said, you know, I'm really looking forward to that cool feeling on my bald head on that pillow at night. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what a child. And she is so, in fact, Channel 2 has just done a special on her, and they just had a fundraiser for her last week. People came out of the woodwork because she's so creative and so um, absolutely genuine about her feelings of beating cancer and if anybody wants to go she's going to looks like she's going to need a bone marrow transplant we really are encouraging people to go to be the match.org all you have to do is order a kit you bring it to your house you swab your mouth with a cotton swab put it back in the envelope and send it back and you're part of a whole huge millions of people who would be glad to save a life if they could because they because of their bone marrow. So, I mean, that's creative. There are so many creative things in this world that it makes well, life exciting. Yeah, and we've just got maybe another two or three minutes left, but let me use part of that by what I think is really the clincher. If there's anyone who's been listening today and they're still a little unconvinced that uh, – that parents and adults have any obligation to use their imagination and develop the imaginations of children, maybe this last one will be the clincher for you. You know, when you think about goal setting, when you think about having objectives in life, and and now you're into the business world or you're into whatever you do, and, and of course, 
goals and objectives and management by objective and all of that becomes so important and we recognize it's important because that's our livelihood that's how we do well that's how we succeed that's how we earn money that's how we come up with things that really work and so on and so here's my here's my my connection goal setting is essentially a process of imagination when you set a goal, what you're really doing is you're using your imagination to imagine the thing you want to have become reality as though it already were reality. And that's the process that we go through, whether we label it as such or not, every time we set a goal in life. And so when we use imagination with children, when we tell them a crazy story, when we play act with them, when we Imagine we were living in a different time and what it was like when we when we animate things and when we try to teach them a lesson by pretending we're a popsicle or whatever, whatever the crazy imagination stuff is that we do, what we are really doing is building their creativity and their power to set goals as they get older. And I, I hope each of us will take that pretty seriously. It sounds like an oxymoron, take imagination seriously. I mean, imagination's anything but serious, but take the idea of it seriously because it may make a big difference in your kid's life. And Linda, wrap up in the last minute here. Well, I just think that creativity and imagination is so exciting and if we get up in the morning and imagine what we can do with our day or imagine with our children what we can accomplish together and so on whether it's work or play imagination is such a magic word and can make your life a little more magical instead of drudgery sometimes uh, i admit that i woke up in the morning thinking i don't know how i'm going to survive this day with 25 lessons a week that we had to get kids to and so on but if you just add that little spark of imagination it kind of changes your mindset and makes your life a little more exciting so we hope you hope for the best this week for you and your world of imagination and until next time see you later 